0: This will be real easy to remember. Psalm 37, 37. Psalm 37, 37. We're so glad that you're here today. Amen. Just especially want to say to all of our guests, welcome. Amen. We pray that you find two things here at the Refuge Church, a people that love God and a people that love others. Amen. We desire and aspire to fulfill the great commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But really, Christ, Christ pushed that even further. He says, I would that you love one another as I have loved you. So if you want to know what the love should look like within the family of God, look at Jesus. And how he has loved you. Amen. Everyone say dedication. Dedication. You know, here at the Refuge Church, we don't baptize infants. Uh, We believe that just like the scripture says, that before someone can be baptized, they need to be able to put their faith in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. And I haven't met too many (laughs) three-month-olds that have that ability. But we do dedicate our children to the Lord. Much like what you read in 1 Samuel, the opening chapters, how Hannah prayed for a child and the Lord gave her a gift. She was barren. She couldn't have children. The Lord allowed her to have a child. And when the child was older and weaned, he she took him to the temple and dedicated him unto the Lord. Basically recognizing that She had received a gift from God and now properly dedicated him back to the Lord. We recognize that this property, that this building is a gift from God. Amen. If it it wasn't for the Lord's help, we would not be in the position that we're in right now. And we're so thankful for this property and for this building and what we're going to do. On Saturdays, we're going to dedicate this property and building to the Lord. Just acknowledging, Lord, we recognize that it was by your hand of provision that we have what we have. And we want to let you know it's yours for your purpose, for your glory. In Jesus' name. So it's going to be a powerful, powerful service. This Saturday, especially for this local church family. And we're going to be so excited to have so many people from out of town, around the state, and out of state that are going to be joining us for this service. And like Brother Walker said, if you want to see, you better get here early because it will probably be standing room only. But it's going to be a great time. We'll have refreshments afterwards and it will be an open house to all those that can't come and, and want to celebrate with us this building and its dedication. Speaking of dedications, Mother's Day is coming up. Mother's Day is coming up. All you kids, lock that away. All you dads, lock that away. You don't want to forget Mother's Day. For some reason, you can forget Father's Day, but don't you dare forget Mother's Day. And uh, Mother's Day this year does fall on a Sunday. And here at the Refuge Church, we dedicate our children on Mother's Day each year. So any babies that have been born since last Mother's Day we will have a special time in the service where we honor these families and dedicate these children to the Lord. And we look forward to that. Psalm 37, verse 37. The Bible says, why don't we read it aloud together? Let's read it aloud. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Let's read that again. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Amen. So today I feel led of the Lord to preach from this title, Mark, the perfect man. Mark, the perfect man. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have to gather in this place to worship you, to fellowship together with the family of God, to pray, to bring our needs to you in prayer, to give our gifts of tithe and offerings. And Lord, now to hear your word. I'm asking that your spirit would lead me under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me preach, Lord. Not my words, but your word. Lord, there are things that I know about people in this room, things I don't know about people in this room. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, you're able to use me to minister both to the seen and unseen, the known and unknown. And you're able to, Lord, cut to the heart with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and pierce and prick the heart and challenge us to live changed by the transforming power of the Word of God. The blood of Jesus, the name of the Lord, and the power of the Holy Ghost. Have your way in this place. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Someone say in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, why don't you clap your hands and just thank him for all that he has done even today. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I praise your name and honor you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Shake hands with someone before you're seated and tell them, Mark, the perfect man. Mark the perfect man. I grew up on the south side of Chicago and I went to the school of hard knocks. Now, I know what I just said, you might think, you know, images come to your mind, headlines come to your mind. Man, south side of Chicago, murder capital of the world, gun, gangs, violence, guns, drugs, all kinds of nonsense going on. But I, I've got to be honest, that was not my neighborhood. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> I, I lived in the suburbs. Uh, sure, there was, there was some things that happened, you know, but it was nothing like some of the headlines you read. You know, people ask me, my, my wife and I, we love to visit downtown Chicago. And people ask me, like, you, you feel safe? Like, you go to Chicago? Like, you have to dodge bullets, bulletproof vests? Um, but, you know, growing up in the Chicagoland area, you learn what places to go to, what places not to go to. You learn what places are safe to go to up to a certain time in the day and what places you should be out of by the certain time of the day. I remember I was working for a construction company, road construction company, and I was doing some work in one of those places you don't want to be in after dark. And I was actually outside of an apartment, a very vivid memory of mine. I was outside of this apartment complex, and all kinds of nonsense is going up and down the sidewalk, up and down the street. I was in a concrete planter. So just imagine like a, a planter, as in what you put plants in and trees. And it was outside in front of the, and I was core drilling or drilling a hole into the bottom of this concrete planter. And my tool, the bit, got stuck. It got jammed. And I tried Everything that I could come up with, everything that I had been taught of how to unjam a core bit, and I just couldn't do it. They even had someone come out help me, and this guy—he was, his name was Kelly, and he he had muscles on muscles, and he liked to show them off. He wore a white undershirt as his shirt, and he would cut. He came out there. Kelly came out, and he's like, "I'm going to get this thing, Dave. Don't worry about it." And he's down there, and we couldn't get it. And the sun was starting to set. They said, "I don't." We were never, ever allowed to leave any piece of equipment on the job site, ever, because they knew, like, it would grow legs overnight miraculously and walk off the job. I was amazed when I came to the Quad Cities, Brother Hugo, and I saw job sites where they would have, like, compressors and saws and drill equipment all over the job site, just left there overnight, like, what in the world? Like, I was never, and it was starting to be sunset, and uh, they said, just leave it. Get out of there. Because they knew, like, I couldn't say that. But that's not where I grew up. I say I, I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago and went to the school of Hard Knocks because, not because of the neighborhood I lived in, not even because of what happened in my high school. I grew up in the school of Hard Knocks because I had two brothers that I grew up with named Jonathan and Mark. They were my younger brothers. And when they were born, they were handed a job description that said it is your life's mission to make your older brother as miserable as possible. The Lord allowed me now, several years later, to be a pastor. Uh, I've, I've, I've been told, you know, people that know me, that are close to me, they, they say, oh, it just makes sense you're a pastor, you got a shepherd's heart. No, I just have an older brother's mentality. I grew up as the oldest of three boys, and I was always looking out for my two kid brothers. But they were always looking to make my life miserable. I- I'm not, it's no exaggeration. My youngest brother, who's not here today, he's out of town, but if you see him, he usually comes here now, you could ask him and just have him tell you stories of what, especially, especially my middle brother. Now I told you I've I've got a disposition older brother mentality. My 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 middle my my younger brother my middle brother, uh, he's the shortest of us three, and he definitely grew up with a middle child short man syndrome. He wanted to beat up anyone that looked at him crossways, anyone that thought they might be able to be tougher than him, and um, we went to church. Like, I'm making it sound like he's like this whatever, and he was. But I say he went to church because he knew some Bible verses. He knew this one in particular really well. He would love to bring up and to quote Bible scripture, one scripture, and it was this scripture. Psalm 37, 37, he would say, Mark. The perfect man. He would not take any, any commentary on how that is not referring to him. Especially at the current state of his life where he was at that time. He took it personal. And my hope today is that we would take this verse personal. Personal not in the sense that he took it as a teenager, but in the sense, the proper context of the verse, that we ought to mark the perfect man, that we ought to behold the upright. The latter brings fuller clarity to the former. Mark the perfect man, or in other words, behold, look at, watch the upright, for the end of that kind of man, the upright man, is peace. And who doesn't want peace? I, I, I mean that serious, though. Sincerely, who doesn't want peace? I, I know that we could say it tongue-in-cheek. I, I know that we could perhaps even kind of say it flippantly, but the truth of the matter is every human soul, every person, young or old, they want peace. And what I think is so wonderful about Isaiah 9-6 when it introduces us to the Messiah who would come, they shall call him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I, I like to pray those titles, those names, that the the, the one the Messiah would be in my prayer time lord you are the everlasting father you will outlast any crisis as my father and I being your child you are the mighty God and there is none besides you it is you alone that created the heavens and the earth you are wonderful when I consider the heavens and the work of your hands I am filled filled with wonder at your power and your majesty. And I I, I acknowledge that he is the prince of peace, meaning that when he sits on the throne, when he becomes the king in my heart, he's the prince, but when he becomes the king, he ushers in peace, a peace that this world cannot manufacture and that this world cannot take away. And that Peace is the peace that every one of you that sit before me and everyone that will hear the recording of this message, it is the longing and the desire of your heart to have peace. Peace where you can lay your head down at night and have a rest and have an assurance and sweetly sleep through the night knowing, hey, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Peace. Peace. We want peace. Well, if we want peace, then we ought to behold the upright because the end of that man is peace. Meaning that the destination of the path that he walks on leads to peace. My point is this. You don't have to sit here. You don't have to walk through life hoping for peace. There is a path that you can get on And walk purposely down that leads to peace. And you could be guaranteed peace. Peace like a river. Peace that sustains. Peace that when the storm rages, you know who's on the throne and who watches over you. Speaking of storms, has anyone recently felt like you've been tried by the circumstances of life? We we all can, can't we? The last twenty four months have tried us all, and maybe more recently, just in more recent weeks, you might have caught yourself saying or thinking things like this, they're trying my patience. I guess I have no honest parents in the house. My finances are being tried. My sanity is being tried. You might even say something like this, you're trying my Holy Ghost, about to lose my salvation. Trying, trying, trying. Trying equals trial. From whence the word comes from. You feel like you're being tried or things are very trying lately. It's because perhaps you're in a trial. You feel like you're in the pressure cooker of life, a furnace, a fire. You might even say, you feel like you're going through. I'm not going to make you repeat it this time. But you feel like you're going through that bad place. Hmm. Can I say this before moving on? I'd rather go through that now than to wait and go through it for all eternity. I'd rather, I'd rather go through hell now than to live and make my abode in hell for all eternity. So pardon me if you will, but I will continue to walk my faith through the trial that I may face even now. It's the trying of my faith. You might say it's the trying of your patience. It's the trial of your faith trial or trying is a testing it's a testing of the quality of something it's the testing of the strength of something before a product could ever sit on the shelves of our stores before it could ever be put into uh into some place where it could be consumed or purchased it has to first be tried that was wasn't that the big deal about the vaccines Right? The big deal about the vaccines and the controversy is it didn't seem like there were enough trials that they had gone through to test the quality of the vaccinations before they were released into the general public. I'm not here to debate that. I'm not even here to talk about it. But just to use that as a reference, I'm here to tell you that your trial is to test the quality and the strength of something. And for us, for us as believers, it is testing the quality and the strength of our faith. Or if I could put it this way, it's testing the quality and the strength of our resolve or our dedication or our commitment of our surrender to his plan, to his word, to the leading of his spirit. For our lives, I want my commitment when it comes through the trial, when it comes through the testing, through the trying to come out like pure gold. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 through 9 speak of this trying or of this trial. The Apostle Peter writes, You who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I wonder if there's any witnesses that could attest to that fact found in that scripture. That the reason that I'm sitting here today, the reason why I can lift my hands and sing and worship in this place is because I've been kept not by self-will, not by my own power, not by my own might, but I have been kept by the power of God through disappointments, through heartache, through broken trust. Oh, I've been kept by the power of God as I have put my faith in him. And one day I will be ready to be revealed in that last time that I've been kept by the power of God. And so so we greatly rejoice even as you have done even now we greatly rejoice though right now for a season if need be we are in heaviness through manifold temptations and this is something I even alluded to on Wednesday night in our Bible study I feel an oppression a spirit of oppression that has been on me that has been on the men of this church and has been on families in this church yes yes we are experiencing revival yes we have baptized more people and see more people filled with the Holy Ghost in the first three months of this year than we did in the previous 12 months of last year. Yes, we're seeing new people come almost every service to church. Yes, the church seems to be growing and thriving but listen, in the background it seems like the enemy has been trying people's faith that are foundational members of this local assembly and he would like to get you to question your faith and question your walk with God and cash out on your relationship with him. Stand the test. Stay the trial. Don't give up. Let me just stop and say this on two firm feet right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke the lying devil that is seeking to seduce my brothers and my sisters in Christ from giving up on their faith. No, they are your children. And right now I plead the blood of Jesus over my church family. And I plead the blood against Satan and his lies. And I command them to break his hold off their minds, off their marriages, and off their children in Jesus name if you would say amen why don't you shout that right now in Jesus name in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah I'm still learning, but I have learned some things over the past nearly 19 years, and I I can recognize a spiritual attack when there is one, and there is a spiritual attack that is in the undercurrent right now. My family and I, we were recently able, by the grace of God and by the generosity of this church family, to take a vacation recently down to Florida, and we were there along the beach off of uh, Destin, Florida, and all over, there were signs before anyone could go to the beach warning after warning even at the airport. I remember at the airport there's warnings about the undercurrent and the danger of the undercurrent. And I feel just in my spirit right now this is not prepared in my notes but I feel it to share right now that while on the surface it seems like this church is thriving and in revival if we are not careful we could fall victim to the undercurrent, the undertow. The thing that's not seen we're swimming in waters we've never swam in before. It's deeper than knee high and waist high and chest high we're swimming in waters and I'm excited about what God is doing but sister Jody, we cannot go on unawares we must be aware of the enemy and how he seeks to defeat the church and undermine the strength of the body So let me say this, these three days of prayer and fasting, if you are a member of this church, if you consider this your church home, then you ought to take it seriously. If you are anywhere possible, if you are able to be here tomorrow night at our all church prayer meeting, then you ought to be here. If you take serious the business of the kingdom and spiritual warfare, then get yourself involved. Be here tomorrow night. Why? Because we mean to do war against the enemy. We fight a defeated foe. We will not be defeated, we will have victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, we are in heaviness through manifold temptations. But there is a, there's a purpose for the trying. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. For when he comes, the question stands, will he find faith in the earth? I want him to find faith in me. I want him to find what he is looking for in me, which means I need to endure until the end, and those that will endure the same shall be saved. Have faith in God. Don't backslide in your trial. Don't backslide in your trying. Psalm 73, and if you have the ability, go ahead and throw this up on the screen. Psalm 73 is a wonderful psalm for someone that might be here that feels like you're being tried, you're, being, you're going through a trying situation. In verse 1, the psalmist starts out so well. It's so good. Truly, God is good to Israel. Oh, can't we say that here at the Refuge Church? Truly, God is good to the refuge. Even to such are of a clean heart. Oh, that's some shouting words right there. Those kind of words we could sing about, we could dance to, we could run the aisles over. Watch out, I'm coming, I'm leaping for joy. God is good. God is good. And all the time... Oh, hallelujah. We can just stay right there. But let's move on to where the psalmist shares his heart. Verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. That's a clear definition A backsliding. I had well nigh slipped. My feet were almost gone. Why? Why were you in this kind of state? Verse 3. Because I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You don't have to keep scrolling down. Just leave it right there. The wicked. He gets his eyes on the wicked. And then he starts describing them in these these terms. He says they're strong. They don't have any problems, but they're filled with pride. I thought pride leads to destruction. They're violent. They have more than our heart could ever wish for. They're corrupt. They're arrogant. They speak against heaven. They question question God. They mock him and those who put their faith in the most high. They continue to prosper though. They increase in riches. Do they even have any problems, right? I know none of you have ever felt this way, but I have. That's why you got to be careful as as to what you set your eyes on, what your focus, what your vision is after. He, He goes on, he says, but me, on the other hand, I've cleansed my heart. I've washed my hands. And even though I've cleansed my heart and washed my hands, I've been plagued every day, all day. It don't make any sense. I thought if I live this, this is the blessed life. It's the best life. Where's the disconnect here? I'm scrolling through Instagram. I'm going through Facebook. and Man, I I see people that don't walk with the Lord, that don't live for God. And I see people that curse God, that they're atheists. And look at what they have. Look at how much money they have. Look how happy they look. Look, look at the prosperity of the wicked. And my, they're strong. They increase. They prosper. Look at this. Oh man, my life. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I, I go to church. I pay my tithes. I give my offering. I, I, I try to live holy. I, 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 I try to pray. I try to read my Bible. But, but look at all this. I, I'm miserable. Where's God? I know God is good to Israel, but He ain't good to me. Sounds like you need a revival, psalmist. Sounds like you need to get your eyes on the right thing. He he even says, he he kind of brings it to a point, and he says this. You can read it for yourself. He said, I would not dare say these things out loud, for I would be a traitor to the people of God. I'm going to church, but I'm not saying what I'm feeling. I'm not saying what I'm thinking, that I'm envious of the wicked when I see the prosperity of them and all that they have. They have everything I want. They have more than I could ever want. It, 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 nobody has to raise your hand, but how many's ever said, if I just got one of their paychecks, I'd, I'd be happy. If I just had one of their cars, I'd be good. If I just had that outfit, man, that's all I need. You're lying to yourself, right? You, uh, and, and here I am, I'm struggling, I, I'm being tested, I'm being tried, but I wouldn't dare say this to anyone, right? I'm not, I'm not gonna, because I'd be a traitor, I'd be a traitor of the thoughts if I shared what I'm thinking. It's and when I think about all of this, he says, it's too painful for me, but there's an until coming, and he says. This was all going on in my mind. I was about to backslide. My feet had almost well nigh slipped until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I came into his presence and I understood their end. He says, I got to the place, I got in his presence, and then I realized, oh, I know it looks this way now, but it ain't always going to be that way. I know it looks like they're prospering now, but they're not always going to prosper. I know it looks like we're the tail and not the head, but it will always be that way. He said, I saw the end of things. I saw that God will be the judge of all mankind, good and bad. Look up. I said, look up. Get your eyes off the comparison media. Look out. We, 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 we. I'm not even just talking about social media. You can walk down the hallways of your school. You could go to your job and you can look in your neighborhood and you can look at, even in the house of God and look at one another. But remember those who compare themselves among themselves. They are not wise. Look up. Get your eyes up, up, up. Look at eternity. Look at the rewards that will be placed there in eternity. Look at the consequences of the wicked. There is going to be an end of things. And where do you want where do you want to be? Someone say, the mark. The mark. I'm not talking about the tax slayer center that used to be called the mark. How many, how many still call it the mark? Yeah. It will always be the mark, right? Some young people are like, what? The mark what? Of course, what? I mean, tax slayer center. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the best name ever the mark i'm not talking about a building i'm not i'm not listen the mark look at the upright look at his end i know that now I know that currently I know presently it might not be popular to be among the the upright and the just and the righteous and the Holy Ghost filled and the saints of God I know that we're about to go through a time where it will be so unfavorable and so unliked to be a Christian to be a namesake of Jesus Christ to be spirit led and spirit filled to even have morals in your public schools but look up and see the end of things. Look at the end. Look at the end. What the, what they teach you over at Longfellow? Is that what is Longfellow Elementary? I remember my kids when they went there and, and they would come home with those, those principles of leadership and one of them is begin with the, you got it. Thank you, Jadavius. I knew I could count on you. Begin with the end in mind. And that's our problem sometimes is we don't begin with the end in mind. Maybe we did begin, but we don't continue with the end in mind. Maybe you did start off and were born again and did repent and were baptized and were filled with the Holy Ghost because you had the end in mind. But somewhere along the way, you've been tossed about in the sea and the storm. And you've looked. You've lost which way is up and which way is is down. But listen, Get your eyes back on eternity. Get your eyes back on Jesus Christ. Continue with the end in mind. Somebody say amen. Mark, the perfect man. There's been a question. I'll come to a close here in just a minute. There's been a question that has been rolling around in my mind. And it's, uh, you know, I, I am all for Good grammar, good English. Uh, if I'm not careful, I could be the grammar police on social media and in text messages. I spell everything out, you know. Yeah. Why not? You could do talk to text. You just learn how to speak clearly and correctly. and It just does everything. Now, you should always proofread before you hit send. Word of the wise. So, but 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 the question that has been rolling around in my mind—it is so not grammatically correct. Now, I could say it grammatically correct. I could say it more proper, but I'm just gonna say it like it's been rolling around in my mind. Who are you trying to be like? Trina. Who are you trying to be like? Who are you trying to be like? That way, I got both groups here. Who are you trying to? Who are you trying to? Mark the perfect man. Behold the upright. Consider his end, that it's of peace. You know, I, even Wednesday, I was, I was strongly encouraging having a Bible reading plan. One of the good reasons why, among many, is if you fail to plan, the saying is, you plan to fail. You wonder why you, you, you always forget and, and it's kind of put off and you, and you don't go around to it to, to read in your Bible. And, and in it are the words of life. In it is strength and healing and, and help and light and instruction right here in this book. And you probably have one of these. It might not look like this. It, it, it's probably on your phone. It's probably on your nightstand. It's probably somewhere on a shelf. But you have a Bible and what a wonderful miracle we have. But that miracle and that mighty weapon is rendered useless when we do not open it and use it, read it, and study it, and apply it. Oh, God. You can be victorious. But you've got to pick up the weapons. And if you do not have a plan to read your Bible, a Bible reading plan, as practical and and, and whatever trivial it might seem, get a plan and stick with it. Hold yourself accountable. Become accountable to someone else. Why? Because in it are the words of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who are you trying to be like? Well, who, I don't want to be like anyone. I'm just trying to be myself. Liar. You might not know it, but you're lying. You ain't being honest. You're trying to be like someone. Everyone is a servant to someone or something. And guess what? You have a choice as to who you will be like. This is why the Bible emphatically, both in Old and New Testaments, gives us examples and tells us emphatically to mark the perfect man, to behold the upright. Get your eyes on someone whose end is peace. Get your eyes on someone who's going the right direction. The apostle even goes as far to say, you know what? Mark those who are disorderly and cause divisions among you. Why? Because you ought not to follow them. I'm living among the woke generation. Right? Well, why don't the church wake up in a completely different way than the culture's trying to wake up? I wish that the church would wake up, open their eyes, and stop living like you're asleep and sleepwalking, not knowing where you're going. You're children of the light. Turn the light on and walk like you live in the light. Look around. I said, Look around. Mark them. Mark them. Mark them that cause the visions, but also mark the perfect man. Mark the the person that you say, you know what? Hey, I kind of want to be like them. I, I, I want to be a worshiper like them. I, I want to be someone who prays in the altar like them. I, I want to be someone like that, that, that can pray with other people in the altar like they do. I, I, I want to live like them. I, I want to strive to be like them. Oh, saying, oh, no, 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 I, you know, that, 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 that goes against the grain. You know? we, we live in a Christian culture that says, don't get, my, don't get your eyes on me. Get your eyes on Jesus. I, I'll fail you. But like Brother Woodward said, stop failing us. Stop failing us. Stop using that as a cop-out and stop using Christ as as, as someone to shove the the responsibility onto and say, you know what, if you want to go to heaven, follow me because I'm going there. I don't know where everybody else is going, but I'm going to heaven and if you want to go there, you can't fall behind me because that's the direction I'm living. Lord, I love you. I'm, I'm I'm well aware of the time. I, but there's so much that my heart is burdened with. Listen, we could, I could be I could be upset at my children and, and, and their dependency upon technology and, and their craving for screens. But I can't just I can't just look at my babies and say, Look, look what are you doing? Stop! Get off a screen! Get off a screen! Get off a screen! But I gotta look at my parenting. I gotta look at my parenting and say, Ed, Do I bear some responsibility? Do I bear some responsibility for where they're at now at 15 and 13 years old? Don't I bear some responsibility? For I have been given the responsibility of training up my children in the way that they should go. So that when they're older, they don't depart from it. And I believe the principle of that word. But it goes for good and bad. If when they were babies and toddlers and and small children and I didn't have time for them and I just kept feeding them a screen to get out of my sight and to get away from me, I'm busy, I just, I set them in front of a screen, I put a phone in their hands and I do that over and over and again and and they they turn 11 and 12 and 14 and they can't go without a screen, is it really just their fault? I'm not here to, to, to condemn anyone, but I'm here to wake us up. And they say, listen, there are some things that we have been doing that we are disabling our future. We are cutting off our path to peace. And I'm not just talking about media. Listen, technology is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful tool. Thank you, Sister Brittany, for coming to the Refuge Church. But you found out about us through the tool of technology. Praise God for that. But let me tell you, technology is a horrible, horrible master. And we are living in an age. Where technology has been something we are so dependent upon. In fact, if I challenge you to anything, why don't you take three days and maybe you won't go without food for three days. But could you go through without social media for three days? Could you go without entertainment for three days and say, Lord, I need a detox of my brain. I need a detox of my spirit because I want to be right. I want to find peace and I don't have peace now. So get my feet on a path that will lead to peace. You're saying, well, uh, you know, there ain't nobody here at church that, you know, is, uh, I consider upright. You know, nobody's good enough. Again, you're lying. Stop lying. Stop it. There's plenty of great, godly, People at the Refuge Church, and I am so glad to be a part of this church family. Perfect, perfect in the sense that we think of perfect? No, but they're perfect in the sense of the biblical sense of the word. They're complete. They're striving for the mastery. They're headed the right direction. They're upright in their thoughts. But you might still have a qualm with that and a problem with that. Well, listen, there is one that is perfect, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that we have been given the mark. We've been given the target. We've been given the bullseye. We've been given the road map. You can see what Christ is like. And by the power of the Spirit of God, you can be like Jesus. Ooh, you can be like Jesus. You can be like Jesus. Oh, oh, every action can have an equal reaction. Third law, of Newton's third law, right? Physics. Am I, uh, someone nod at me like, Am I tell, telling the truth here? Did you guys even pay attention to physics? There's an equal and opposite reaction to every action. Listen, there's consequences and rewards to every action. There is no action. There is no attitude. Oh, help us, Jesus. Right now, in the name of the Lord, I pray that my church family, I pray that I will wake up and realize that there are consequences and there are rewards to every attitude and every action of my life. And I could live in such a way that leads to peace. But I could also undermine my success by, 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 by sabotaging, by my actions and by my attitudes. I want to be like Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Oh, Lord, you see my church family. And, Lord, we're being tried. There are people, they feel the weight of their circumstances, and they're feeling tried. You're being tested. Your faith is being tested. Your commitment to Christ is being tested. Oh, Lord, have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Oh, Lord, God. The Lord sees each and every heart in this room and your your genuine desire to live for Jesus Christ. Your genuine desire to live for the Lord, to make heaven your eternal home, to be eternally united with the Lord. And I know that there's people that are in this room that were in my life class during Sunday school. That sounds a little repetitious of what we were learning, but... Bear with me. There is a huge difference that can be made in your life just by taking some simple, practical steps. Not just in this room, but in your bedroom, in your house, where you spend time in prayer. You spend time in the Word. You're faithful to the house of God. You put a premium your attendance and fellowship with the body of Christ a lot of little things make a big difference small steps in the right direction could accomplish a great journey if you will allow it to oh Lord I pray have your way in this place right now I love my church family but not nearly as much as you love them you love them with an everlasting love. You care about them and you care about their well-being. You care about their spiritual and physical and emotional health. You care about the thoughts that have been racing through their minds. And like the psalmist said, they would not dare even speak them out because they would feel like a traitor to the people of God. And But nonetheless, they're real. They're nearly tangible But God, you have called us back to the sanctuary. You've called us back to your presence so that we could get our eyes on eternity. Oh, my Lord and my God, touch each and every person that is here today. I pray that you would draw them, and I pray that they would respond to your word even right now. Lord, I know that the close of this message made me more practical than powerful, but God, I believe if they take the practical home with them, that it can be powerful. Lord, I don't want just a church family that could shout on Sunday, but I pray for a church family that could have victory on Monday and Tuesday and all throughout the week. I pray, Lord, for marriages that are thriving and strong and that parents would lead their children, training them up in the way that they should go. I pray, Lord, for children that would be obedient and that would be obedient to their parents and that they would be obedient to the faith and that they would find their own hold on their faith and their walk with the Lord. I pray for every guest that is in this room right now. And Lord, you know their name before I could even be introduced to them. And you know what they're going through and what they're facing. And Lord, this message has spoken directly to them, for they feel when they walked in this place that their faith has been on trial. With every eye closed, nobody looking around with your mind's eye. I want you to look around, not with your eyes, your physical eyes, but with your mind. I want you to look around the courtroom. We've been talking about a trial, haven't we? Think of a courtroom. Look around the courtroom. What's on trial? It's your faith. It's your relationship with the Lord. It's on trial. There's arguments that are being made against it. But then there are witnesses that are speaking for it. I'm reminded of those that are listed at the latter part of Hebrews chapter 11 that did not receive deliverance. They were persecuted. They were killed. They had to hide in caves and they had to wander about. But they won. They had great success. The world was not worthy of them. And then Hebrews 12 says, looking around, and seeing that we are surrounded on every side by a cloud of witnesses, can I tell you that you are surrounded by people whose lives have been lived in the faith, who have died in the faith throughout all of church history, throughout all of the word of God that are pointing down at you and saying, you can make it. I made it. I made it through the den of lions. I made it through the fiery furnace. I made it through betrayal. I made it through broken trust. I made it through loss and heartache. You can make it. You can make it. You can make it. Why? Because what's inside of you is better than gold. It's faith. Faith in the Lord, a measure of faith that has been given unto you. Don't let go of it. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit your faith now. Come on. Keep keep walking. Keep living for God. Keep being faithful to the house of the Lord. Keep praying. Keep giving. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we stand all across this place, I wonder if you can now just begin to lift up your hands up toward heaven As a church family, together, let us lift up our hands toward heaven. Let's begin to declare the things of God. Let's begin to proclaim our faith right now. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I believe in you. Speak the name of Jesus, if you would. Go ahead, lift up your voice and begin to speak that mighty name of Jesus. Come on, begin with the end in mind and continue that same way. Continue with heaven on your mind. Get yourself back in the presence of the Lord for In his presence, his fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength right now. Begin to lift up your voice. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Father, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I put my marriage in your hands. I put my family and my children in your hands. I trust in you, Lord. Have your way in us right now. We believe in you. We put our faith in you, Jesus. I'm going to open up this altar area and however it is that the Lord has spoken to your heart today, whether this is your first time or whether you were wondering if it would be your last time to church, I would that you would respond to the presence of God and the word of God and say, Lord, yes. Lord, yes. Lord, yes. I know I've gotten my eyes on the wrong things for quite some time and and I've entertained thoughts that I, I wouldn't even speak out loud and my feet have well nigh slipped. I've about I backslid, but God I've realized that I've got to look at the end. I've got to look at the end of the wicked and the path that they're on and see that it leads unto destruction but the righteous leads unto life. Here I am oh Lord. Get me back on that path. I wonder if anyone can step out from where they're si- sitting or standing and say Lord get me back on that path. Get me back on that path that leads unto life. Leads to repentance. Leads to life. Lord here I am. I'm looking for some believers that could be cognizant and aware of others that God will impress you to pray for. God could use you as an instrument of righteousness even in this moment during this altar call to pray. Words of life into somebody's spirit, into somebody's soul. In the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it. That's it. This whole church family, this whole assembly ought to flood this altar and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I need to create some accountability in my house. I, I need to create some accountability in my life. I, I need to Lord God walk in that path that leads to life. I need to mark the perfect man. Not only those that are pillars of the faith within the assembly of the righteous, but I want to mark the perfect man, Jesus Christ. And follow after Jesus. No matter where you lead me. No matter where that path takes me, I will follow you. I will deny myself. I will will take up my cross. I will mark the perfect man. I will follow Christ. I will deny myself. I will follow you, Lord. Oh, here we are, Lord. That's it. That's it. Let the Lord encourage you today. And let the Lord use you to encourage. Somebody.